We're continuing with our series on Galatians. And we've divided the... We haven't done a favor, actually, to the book of Galatians because we've given it only five opportunities to share about it. And today is the fourth opportunity to be reminded of what the book of Galatians is telling, well, what Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. And um, I'd like to say that the reason why I have not got a PowerPoint this morning is because I've changed my sermon three times. It has been difficult to have a continuation of the series without recognizing what God has done last Sunday um, at our church weekend away and the conversations that we had there. But in the same time, it looks very appropriate that we're talking this morning and we're reminded this morning of the freedom that Christ has given us. Now, I don't know how you learned how to ride a bike. I know that in England you've got the stages that you go from a small bike to a little bigger size bike to a little bigger size bike to something else until you come to a proper adult sized bike. Now, growing up in Albania, we didn't have, oh, poor Albanians, we didn't have children's bikes. So, I had to learn to ride the bike by borrowing the bike of my dad. So it was a 20-inch wheel with a bar in the middle, and I was seven. It was a big challenge, and I could not ride it without him trying to get a hold of the back of the bike until I would get the balance, and he would let go. And then I would just pedal two or three times, and I would be on the floor again. And I can tell you, I remember very vividly how many scraped knees and thighs and everything that I had because I wanted, I was desperate to be able to ride the bike of my dad. And that bar in the middle didn't help because I used to put the leg under the bar and I used to cycle it (laughs) under the bar because I could not really get the whole idea that why would this bar stop me from riding the bicycle? And I want to take that illustration in Galatia. You've got this group of Christians who have been until the point that they've met Jesus, they've had somebody who has hold them and guided them and hold them tight and has been a security for them for so many years. And now Jesus comes into the picture and he says, I'm going to let this bike go. You can do it because of what I've done for you. The law cannot hold you in the balance anymore. I'll let the law go, and I'd like you to go and experience the freedom. And what's happening here is a bit like me. After I had kind of gained some experience, 
it was good to know that when I was paddling, my dad would still, I mean, we lived in, a, in an alley. I would still see my dad wait in the end of the corner to check that I was doing it fine until I was safe to ride my bike on the main roads. So it looks like these Galatians are trying to go back and say, actually, I can pedal it myself, but I wouldn't mind if you can hold it. Whereas Jesus is saying, I've done it for you. Go now. Go now and experience the free paddling without being held from anything. And Pete reminded us on chapter 4 of the whole Old Testament perspective. And the last verse of this chapter 4 of Galatians is, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we're not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So there's this constant tension. What do they want? Do they want the yoke of safety nets of the law, or do they want to be free in Christ? They're not sure. Because they have embraced the gospel, they have embraced the goodness of the gospel, but now they're still looking back and saying, actually, being religious is much safer than being a Christian. Being religious is much safer than being a disciple. Being religious is much safer than being a mini-Christ. And that's what Paul says. Guys, come to your bearings. Come to your enlightenment here. You have embraced this good news and you still want for somebody to hold your bike. That's not the way the gospel of Jesus Christ functions. It's revolutionary. And it has been the case for the last 2,000 years. I said I tried to write the sermon three times because I wanted to go deep into the passage and start to do an exposition of all the verses, but I'm afraid I'm going to stop only at verse one. Do you remember the banana moment that Ben mentioned about at the church weekend away? When he talked about this church meeting and somebody had a word that was banana? And then in the end, there was a lady there with a bag of bananas and stuff. Sorry for those of you who haven't been there. But the moment I talked about, I thought and I read about freedom, down deep in my heart is one of my top stories of the scriptures. And I had a little bit of moment of banana. I thought, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And it has been with me throughout the whole week, no matter how much I've read about 
the whole division of the chapter and stuff like that. So I feel it's appropriate, and I believe it's appropriate for us to stop a little bit and think on the theme that we've been de- we're going to be dealing today, but in the light of the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. So the theme of the sermon today is the implications of the gospel. And I want to follow that up a little bit with a verse that it says in John that if the Son of God sets you free, you are going to be free indeed. This is Jesus saying these words. So Zacchaeus, shall we read it? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's going to stop in a town called Jericho. Jesus enters Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead of him and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached out the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. We'll stop here. Let's pretend for a moment that Jesus was in Bristol. And he was going to come, well, he was going to go to Southmead, but he was going to go Southmead by walking through Westbury Park. And let's pretend for a moment that Jesus is walking Upper Cranbrook, no, Cranbrook Road. And he decides to take a shortcut and come through Cairns Road. And Zacchaeus finds the top of the roof of Cairns Road the best place to be so he could see Jesus as he's walking down here. Or here. And Jesus notices him And there's only a few characteristics that we read about Zacchaeus. The others are assumptions. But Jesus notices him, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down, because I want to come to your house in Springfield Grove. And Zacchaeus says, Okay, come, let's go. And he welcomes him in his house. All we know about Zacchaeus was that he was a tax collector which had an allegiance with the Romans in those days. He was a Jewish man who had an allegiance with the Romans. 
And actually, he was an outcast when it came to his social status because nobody liked him. And to make things or matters more seriously, people didn't like him because he was after their money. Because he was a proper tax collector. We all love paying taxes, don't we? He was a chief tax collector who had heard about Jesus coming to Jericho. And he goes, I might give this man a try. You never know what might happen. And we know that the story goes on. The scriptures tell us that that verse of John 8, when the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed, is fulfilled with Zacchaeus. Even though he was the worst of the worst. So what kind of aspects of freedom did Zacchaeus experience? What's some, what are some of the aspects of freedom that we can experience today? Because it is true that if the Son sets us free, we are going to be free indeed. And actually, it's about time church believed that. If the Son sets us free, you're going to be free indeed. So here we've got Zacchaeus experiencing Jesus coming to his house. Unheard of, unexpected. He thought that just looking at Jesus would be enough because Jesus had no time for him. He was just on his way. He was passing through, the scripture says us. And here we've got Jesus who goes and eats a meal with somebody who is full of shame in the eyes of the society, in the eyes of the countrymen, in the eyes of his fellow tax collectors, because he is classified as sinner. One of the reasons why <clears throat> the story of Zacchaeus came into my mind is that one of the words that we had together as a church in the book, Weekend Away was the word shame. And I want to bring that in here, not for us to be feeling more guilty about shame, but I want to ask the question, what are some of the things that have put the church of God into shame? What are some of the stupid things that I have done personally, as an individual, that I look back and I think, that was a shame. What is some of the things that we keep doing because we're not paying attention to God? And this is one of the ways that God can bring our attention back by pointing us. Now, shame is a very big word. And there is a lot of us that carry that as a yoke, as a burden. 
Zacchaeus carried that. And then the Lord Jesus eats a meal with him. We don't know what conversations he's had. Luke doesn't tell us. All we know is that in the end of the conversation, Zacchaeus has got a statement to make. And he stands up. And he says, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him four times the amount. Luke makes sure that we get this vibe, because he's talking here about something very, very, very important. He's talking here about repentance. That 180 degrees turn. Zacchaeus was going on this way. He encounters the Lord Jesus here. And he says, I'm not going anymore in that direction. I'm turning back. And I'm following you, Jesus. And the way I can prove it to you that I have changed not only my mind, that is just more than just a regret that I feel sorry for the things that I've done, is here is my actions. And this is only happening because of the encounter with Jesus. So Maki, I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to Ken's Rhodes. What are some of those things that you think, oh, that's shameful. I want to say today, that Jesus wants to come for a visit in your house today. He wants to come and have dinner with you. Because if we are burdened and yoked by this shame, he says, I want to sort that out. But also... This is Jesus' initiative. This is Jesus' taking steps. We see that Zacchaeus take that step. Repentance. We talked about the church having a prophetic voice in our prayers of intercession. I was talking to one of my college tutors and I said, through this time, the church needs to get back the prophetic voice and speak up. And he asked me a question which put me on the spot. He says, well, when in the last years has the church had a prophetic voice that it needs to get it back? It really blew me away. And I thought, actually, that's a valid evaluation. Repentance. When we say God, we recognize that we should have a prophetic voice in our community with one another we realize that we have neglected that. We realize that we have gone down this route and we have encountered the reality that we need to do it. We turn back and we're saying, Jesus, we're going to have a prophetic voice. 
It's those moments when we're saying, I'm ashamed because I have done such and such a thing, but because of what you have done, Jesus, and that's what Paul is saying to the Galatians, because of what you have done, not because of what I've done, I'm sorry. And this is my action. I'll turn back and I'll follow you. One aspect of Christ's freedom is that release that only Jesus can give. The other aspect is reconciliation. If Christ has set you free, you will be free indeed. Because only Christ can set us free. Only Christ can do that, can provide that freedom between us and God, because we have been God's enemies. Zacchaeus has been a chief thief, really. He's been going all against God, 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 all against him, until the moment he encounters Jesus. And he says, there is more to life than just me being a chief tax collector, a successful man, and full of money. I want to be part of God's kingdom. And I want to reconcile with God. And the only way I can reconcile with God is through your son, Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one who went to the cross and suffered for each and every one of us. Died, was buried, was crucified, sorry, was crucified, was buried, and was resurrected on the third day. So I can come to Christ and say, Lord, these are the things that have put me to shame. These are the burdens that keep me tight on my bike for me to be free in Christ. I'm very sorry. I want to encounter you. And this is my action. This is the proof that I have encountered that freedom. This is the proof that I have encountered your salvation. An aspect, another aspect that we can see in Zacchaeus is because he recognizes who he is and because he is experiencing Christ's freedom, he's got a new vision now. It's not anymore about Zacchaeus. It's not anymore about how much money he's got on his bank account. It's not anymore about his wealth. It's about others. It's about those people that Jesus has been teaching the disciples all the way through, the widows and the poor. Half of my wealth I'm going to give to the poor and to those that I have stolen from. I'll repay four times. Whoa. Whoa. Two, two verses above, we just read that he's been a sinner. He's been classified as a terrible man. And now, because Christ has gone to visit him, he's got a new vision. Because Jesus affirms that with his new vision, has got a new belonging. 
Zacchaeus is not anymore just an ordinary man. Look what Jesus says in verse 10. Verse 9 as well. Today salvation has come to his house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Galatians 4, anybody? And verse 10 is one of my favorite verses of the New Testament. For the Son of Man came to seek and to rescue who was lost. We know that Zacchaeus made sure that he wanted to get on the fig tree. But Jesus was seeking for him. Found him full of shame. And gave him the freedom. So now he becomes the son of God. And that story of Zacchaeus continues for 2,000 years, folks. It continues with me. It continues with you. And when I said earlier on that I said that I want for Jesus to be coming for a visit into your house, I said it without any regrets. Because I do believe that the gospel is the good news, not only for the lost, but for the saved ones. And I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ can provide that release for us, can provide that continuous reconciliation, because we need to come to God on His terms, to regret and to say sorry, and to give the fruit of our sorriness. Because if we do not come there, we're not going to have that new beginning that is kingdom of What did freedom mean for Zacchaeus? What does freedom mean for you? What does it mean for Cairns Road? What does it mean for us as a community of believers? We stand in the middle of the city center or close to it in a middle-class area? What does that freedom mean? And we cannot talk to others about freedom if we have not experienced that freedom ourselves. So the question that I've got for myself and for you guys today is that do we truly believe down in our hearts that if Christ sets us free, we will be free indeed? And if we do, well, let's do something about it. Because there are people out there that can do with that freedom. There are people down here, with us here, that can do with that freedom. Let's claim back the promises that are very vital for us as a church. And let's ask God that his kingdom of freedom 
to reign in our hearts. I'm going to stop here because I want for us to pray a little bit. And I don't know how we're going to do this. I haven't got a plan. I've left it open. But I thought it would be good for us to pause a moment and deal with that question. If Jesus was to ask you, I want to come down to your house. I want to come down to your heart, really, more literally, and sort you out. Are you going to let him in? And if you let him in, are you going to tell him everything? And if you're going to tell him everything, are you going to take that action to say, it's not anymore about Maki, it's not anymore about Zacchaeus, it's about you, God, because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I'm going to leave two or three minutes of space and silence and quietness. And I want you to imagine that Jesus is really walking down Cairns Road. And I want to take that analogy a little bit more to say that he's wanting to come inside the building. Because he wants the dinner with us as Cairns Road as well, as individuals.